as we began to wrap up our series on Jews and Christians learning to relate, we wanted to have a discussion today about some of the most common misunderstandings between the two communities. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Israel Answers series, connecting Israel, the Bible, and you. Join Susan Michael as she explores timely issues and current events from a scriptural perspective to equip the Christian world with a balanced and biblical response. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes, which will ignite your faith and bring the Bible to life in your everyday world. Now, let's join Susan with your Israel Answers. Well, I hope you've been enjoying our series on Jews and Christians learning to relate. And as we have interviewed a number of pioneers, and one of those pioneers was Jonathan Feldstein, who is the founder and president of the Genesis 123 Foundation. We had a really interesting conversation as he shared his story of decades of Jewish Christian relations coming from the perspective of an Orthodox Jew who lives in Israel. And um, I, if you have, did not get to hear that interview, we're going to link to it in today's show notes so that you can get to know more about him and his story. But as I began to plan for the wrap up of this series, I thought I want to have Jonathan back so that we can just have an informal conversation talking about some of the common misunderstandings that we've all alluded to in our stories. The various pioneers have alluded to these things, but I thought it might be helpful for us to talk about them a little bit more in depth. And we have some misunderstandings on the Jewish side, and we have some misunderstandings on the Jewish side, the Christian side and the Jewish side. So, uh, Jonathan, I want to welcome you back to the Out of Zion podcast, and thank you for taking time out of your day to have this conversation with oh, us. Always a pleasure, A, to have conversations like this, and B, even more so to do it with you, Susan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, I'm going to start with a common misunderstanding that uh, we encounter, and then I'll let you bring up one, Jonathan, and we'll just go back and forth sure. and see uh, where we go with this. So I know that one of the common misunderstandings that I had when I first went to Israel many, many, many years ago as a, as a young uh, woman was not understanding that Judaism is a vibrant faith. And in a lot of our preaching and teaching in churches, we sort of like to just, just oppose um, Christianity to Judaism and the Old Testament to the New. And we bring up these comparisons and it's sort of like, well, Judaism is about legalism and the law. And so it's, it's a dead religion, whereas Christianity is more about grace and forgiveness and it's more alive and when i went to israel i realized how that judaism is very much an alive faith and there are really very sincere believers with a very very sincere and um, active relationship with the god of the jewish people and so um, I see that as something I'm often addressing and teaching that no, Judaism and what we see in the Old Testament is just as much about love and forgiveness 
and mercy and grace. It's built into the law. It's built into everything that God established in the Old Testament. And we do see it also in the New Testament, but it's it's in both. It's the same God, the same character. And uh, so how would you, what would you like to add to that, Jonathan? Well, well first of all, you're right. And people who do, who don't, it's perfect that we're speaking about misunderstandings because misunderstandings can be interpreted as a difference or just a lack of understanding. And there is a lack of understanding because why would you know when you are growing up unless you're completely engrossed with Jews and Judaism or myself? I, I, I grow up in New Jersey. Why would I know much about Christians and Christianity unless I'm having conversations like we are having now and that you and I have been blessed throughout the last decades to be able to have. So sure, it's very easy to look at, at, at from, a, from a Christian perspective and think that Jew, Jews and Judaism is very legalistic. Well, it is, but what, what a lot of Christians don't understand is that it's through that, first of all, that's preserved us as a people, but second of all, all of these legalisms at least how I look at it and how I experience it in my life, connect me deeper with God. So when we speak about Shabbat, okay, a lot of Christians will understand that Shabbat is the day that we don't work. But what does that mean? And I'm not going to go into that right now. We can have that conversation another time. But every little time, oh, here's a great story. I don't know if I ever shared it with you. When I had a fire in my house a few years ago on a Friday night, it was going through my mind about how to deal with the fire on Shabbat. And, and of course, at the moment, I was, I was concerned about protecting my family, but I was doing so through my relationship with God, through how God, how we, we interpret that. So yeah, unless you have an opportunity to come to Israel, to really experience Israel, Israeli life, or do Shabbat, in a in a community overseas and get to know which is something we spoke about last time get to know jews and and the jewish culture it's legitimate to think that that we're only legalistic but then of course uh, i i know some christians many christians in fact who will say well they're not under the law okay great well are they going around committing adultery are they going around murdering people not honoring their parents and and taking god's name in vain also no and these are things that we have to kind of square the circle as far as how we re understand what that legalism is about. But no, Judaism is much, much more. And you're, it's so wonderful you understand that and so wonderful that you help other people understand that. Well, I know one of the things that I realized was the, the role of the law. So in a lot of Christian teaching, the law is looked down upon as legalistic and we're not under that and yet the law the jewish people see it as a gift that was given to them and that they take their responsibility very seriously to obey the law and therefore the whole idea of building a fence around the law so if it says don't work on the sabbath fine and good but what does that mean and right. that's where the rabbis began to interpret well what does it mean what can you do what can you not do because they don't want to violate what god told them to do Correct. and they and feel a special responsibility almost 
almost on behalf of the world, but for sure on behalf of the Jewish people, that they have a responsibility to be faithful to God and obey what he told them to do. And it's a little bit of a different take on the law than what we get a lot of times in our churches. It, it, and even through something as remote as I do every Friday late afternoon or evening, depending on when Shabbat begins. And that's, I guess it's easy to fall back on the law and relate to Shabbat because there's so many laws that are connected to Shabbat, but there are many, many laws that we follow on a regular basis. But when I flip a switch and all of the lights in my house go on a timer, it's not just a mechanical thing, legalistic, because I don't, I choose, according to my understanding of Judaism, not to turn lights on and off on Saturday, on the on, on the Sabbath. But when I'm doing that, I, through through that little action, am honoring God. I'm honoring the way we interpret it. Of course, 2,000 years ago when Jesus observed Shabbat and talked about all the legalisms of Shabbat and had rabbinic debates with, with people here in, the, in first century Israel, the, the legalisms were different because they didn't have electricity, because they didn't have elevators and lights and how to and abilities to keep food hot for 24 hours or, or, or anything of that nature so we have modern interpretations but for me every time I do a little action I try to make sure to remind myself that it's not a me mechanical thing but it's really my connection with God yes yeah, beautiful well Jonathan do you want to share a misunderstanding for us to discuss there are just a few you know a lot of Jews really don't understand um, one of one of the things that actually it just came up again this week. I, I shared an article with a friend, a, an article that I had written. A Jewish woman who's super smart and grew up in the South around Christians. She's not ignorant either, and she wrote back to me that she understands Christians because Christians only want Jews to come back to Israel in order that Jesus will return through, whether it's Armageddon, we can talk about end times, but that, that the, the motivation of Christian support of Israel and our returning like I did 18 years ago is simply to expedite, hasten, hasten Jesus's return. And that's a tremendous misunderstanding. Um, not exclusive, but maybe you can address that. Yes, because actually the Bible doesn't say that. And I've heard it many, many times over the years that it's required that all the Jews return to Israel so Jesus can come back. And um, I've been told that actually there is a branch of Orthodox Judaism that believes that, but um, it's not taught in Christian churches. There's great debate as to whether anything is required to happen before Jesus returns. And there is a school of thought in Christianity that says he could return at any moment. So there is nothing that is required to take place. There's others that quote a verse that says that the gospel will go out into all the nations and then the end will come. So maybe we have to be reaching all the unreached people groups in the world with the gospel before uh, Jesus will return. Um, only when you begin to delve in and deal with the prophecies towards the Jewish people and about Israel, um, to, do you begin to see that, well, maybe the Jews do need to be back in the land um, because Jesus isn't going to return to 
a Gentile Jerusalem. <laughs> I mean, he's going to return to a Jewish Jerusalem. So maybe there is some requirement, but I will say it's hardly ever discussed in churches. It's never talked about in that way. And um, and so this really is a very big misunderstanding that this is like a big requirement and we all know it and we're all teaching it and that's what this is all about. And, right, it comes um, across even really more not. as a requirement. It comes across as a um, nefarious ulterior motive. And by the way, I mean, first of all, we, of course we disagree um, on on Jesus and that's fine and that's a much bigger conversation, but we all want Messiah, so so and and there's nothing wrong with all of the Jewish people being here in the land. But Jews look at that as Christian support of it as somehow being one upsmanship, as to, as as a um, a victory over the Jewish people, and we we interpret it differently, but we're really looking ultimately for the same thing. That's right. Um... So I'll, I'll bring up another misunderstanding that I find that goes along with this, and that is that when I speak to Jewish audiences, I find that they're always concerned about these end-time prophecies and that that's really why we're doing this. And some of the end-time prophecies are hard, and it may be about war, it may be about an Armageddon, it may be, you know, and it, and it, they're like, this is why you really support us is because you want two thirds of us wiped out in a war or this kind of thing. And um, what I find is that actually they're totally ignorant to the fact that most of those scriptures are from the Jewish Bible. They're from the Hebrew scriptures, the Hebrew prophets. And that if somebody is talking about uh a war, mo they're usually going to be quoting out of Zechariah or uh, one of the Hebrew prophets. And then it's confirmed in the New Testament in the book of Revelation, which is full of visual, um, it, it's, um, it's, not, it's not concrete. It's like there's a lot of interpretation that you have to bring into the book of Revelation to understand what it's what it's really uh, conveying. It's in visions and and this kind of thing. And so, uh, but the more concrete verses are found in the Hebrew prophets. And 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 another one is that well, you believe that we're all going to become Christian. Well. Your Bible says that we're all going to be worshiping the God of Israel. And it just so happens we believe that Jesus <laughs> is the Jewish Messiah. Is But yeah, but it's your scriptures that, that are saying that. Right. And, um, and I remember one time I spoke to a Jewish group. And afterwards, an elderly man came up to me. And he was completely blown away. He had no idea that most of the Christian Bible was actually the Hebrew Bible. He didn't even know it. Right. And um, and therefore, a lot of Jews, secular Jews, don't even know what their own Bible says, so they don't know that we're actually quoting their Bible. 100%. You, you, you really nailed it on the head, and you used the word ignorant. And I, and I know you didn't use it. Ignorant can become a pejorative word. It's not, but people who, who are not aware of what the... Hebrew Bible, the the the, the Torah says, um, really don't know, and and we I think, I think that we 
overall don't dwell on end times uh, theology or what's going to happen. And, and there aren't a lot of Jews who run around. It's, much, I think, much more a Christian phenomena, run around saying, well, we're in the end times, it's the beginning of the end times, and we have to prepare. And there are some people who are brazen enough to say that they know when that's happening. And that's, I, I, I'm sure that there are Jews who do that, but, but it's not something that's very common. So you, when you have Jews who are secular, predominantly, who don't know their Bible, our Bible, and you're confronted with Christians who understand it and understand where it comes from, and it connects directly to us and Israel, um, and, and it's not, by the way, it's not real comfortable to talk about what's, what's happening the war from the north, and we're, we're, we're seeing Russia threatening everybody right now. Um, none of that's comfortable, but, but clearly, uh, clearly there's a great misunderstanding about, from a Jewish perspective, about what Christians believe and where they're getting that from, which is, which, again, it's met probably a matter of interpretation, but we're not, we're not that far off in terms of really what we're understanding. No, I remember watching um, a video one time of a, a Hasidic um, rabbi teaching, and he had a whole auditorium full of young men listening to him, and they played this eerie music. And he's referring to some of these scriptures out of Zechariah and end time and things that are going to happen. And of course, it was with his interpretation, which was really quite drastic, I have to say. And um, it's no different than what a lot of our Christian preachers preach based on those same scriptures. The, the thing that we might disagree on is just the identity of that uh, messianic one. But uh, the scriptures are, are in, in the same Bible that we both have. And you're right. I don't hear a lot of rabbis teaching on those end time prophecies. No, um, Maybe and, they and should start. Maybe they should start. Well, at least though we should know, but but the challenge we, we we do know, but but the challenge, of course, is that when the 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 people who are less knowledgeable of their own Bible, of their own scripture, um, of of what that means, are not getting those biblical teachings anyway. So I'm 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 praying that people will come back to 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 the root of of what we need to do because ultimately. I, I do believe that we, through our personal actions, this is a digression, but through our personal actions, we have the ability to hasten the Messiah's arrival, and uh, and that's what we all want, and and that's that's our responsibility individually and and as a Jewish people. So let's talk a little bit more about motives. Um, so I've I've read and heard uh, accusations that you know our motives are really anti-Semitic, that we want to we want to get all the Jews back to Israel so two-thirds of them will die. I mean, that's horrible. Um, I've heard less vitriol accusations that we just want to uh, get the Jews back to Israel so they're all going to become Christian. Right. And, um, and then I've heard that, you know, this and that. And when in reality, our motive... Just because a person believes something is going to happen doesn't mean that that is the motivation for what they're doing today. So wow, you said I'll that give really an example. Well. 
our organization is so involved in Aliyah and helping bring the Jews back home to Israel to make it their their homeland. And so right. we're helping today with the Jews of Ethiopia. We helped with the lost tribe of Manasseh in India. We're helping now with the Ukrainian refugees from the Russian Jews. We've been doing this for what, Decades. 25, 30 years yeah. now. And, uh, but what is our motive? Is our motive because we have some bad motive or, that, or it's all about end time events? And the answer is no, our motive is that first of all, we see God's hand at work in this. And if he's in, busy at work bringing his people back to their land, we wanna be involved. Basically, we, we just wanna be involved in it. But secondly, there are prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures that say the Gentiles will assist in this Correct. return. So we feel we're called to do this. Correct. And that's a very strong motivation that we are called to assist based on um, the Hebrew scriptures. Right. And none of these are bad motives whatsoever. It's, we see God blessing the Jewish people, we want to bless them. We also see in Genesis 1, 2, 3, as you call your foundation, <laughs> or Genesis 12, 3, that God promises he'll bless us Correct. for blessing his people. Correct. And those really are the main motives that I see in Christians involved in this work. Well, I, I, I agree with you because I see that, but most Jews, I, 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 when I say most Jews, I really do believe that it's most, um, though I might be statistically wrong. Um, most Jews don't understand that, but it's fascinating and completely appropriate that you use the example that's prophetic of our return. You didn't talk about Christians participating in the startup nation, another tremendous miracle, and not that, not that, that that's a bad thing. Um, God, God says in many different ways in different places that when we return or we have returned the land will prosper again and and it's prospering in so many ways but it's actually through the prophetic return that you are are partnering with something that god has promised specifically he he didn't promise he was going to turn israel into the startup nation and we we're going to have the what the second hot, highest number of startups on the uh on the stock exchange those are all amazing realizations of that. But yes, there's a lot of misunderstanding um, from a Jewish perspective. And from a Christian perspective, I think there's a, there's a flip side, which is still that I, I can't quantify it. Many, maybe most Christians still believe that, that we do need to accept Jesus in order, in order for our own individual salvation. And that that's therefore a motive of all relationships, that Jews will look at, at anything that you and I are doing individually, collectively, ICEJ, um, and, and many, many others, as being the sole motivation. And, and I, I don't, you phrased it so well a moment ago, but I, I can't re, um, rephrase what you just said. Th there are people who may believe that individually. A matter of fact, a host, a, a friend of mine who I just hosted on my podcast, Inspiration from Zion, said was really actually striking to me he said i still i don't think that we need to convert the jews but i think the jews are missing something by not having a relationship with jesus he said that very sensitive uh sensitively um and and it was a neat conversation that we had but but may, maybe you can respond because i'm not in the conversations all the time among christians about about our salvation 
Well, it's a really important point because uh, the fact that we're called evangelical Christians, yes. uh, for the Jewish people, they interpret that to mean that we are all evangelists. And right. even in Hebrew, the term has been translated into Hebrew as evangelistim, which when an Israeli then converts that to English, they call us all evangelists. And I'm always like, no, that's a different word. <laughs> An evangelist right. is one who does evangelism. An evangelical is one who believes certain things. And so there's four pillars of evangelicalism. And one is the authority of the Bible. Uh, that's why we're always quoting the Bible. Uh, <laughs> secondly, is that we then hold to the key doctrines of the Bible. Thirdly, is that uh, we believe in salvation through Jesus alone. And then fourthly, that we believe in the importance of sharing the good news of Jesus with the world. So the Jewish community interprets all of that as an evangelical Christian is all about converting me to Christianity. And therefore, they're seen as the enemy because of what we believe and um, and so, yes, we believe in the importance of sharing this good news with everyone, but that doesn't mean we believe in ramming it down anybody's throat. It doesn't mean we believe in tricking anybody into converting. And it doesn't mean that that is the sole motivation for everything that we do in life. Right. But yes, Jesus was a great bless is a great blessing to me and I'm so grateful for what he did in my life and I would want everyone to have that blessing right. and to have that great experience. But uh, it doesn't mean that I'm going to uh misuse that and um make it just a sole motivation for everything I do for Israel and the Jewish people. Right. You know, I want to share something. I you 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 always speak so um, authoritatively and sensitively, but uh, I, I had a friend who unfortunately died in the last year, and every time I was with her, she would tell me, right then, Jonathan, you need to get down on your hands and knees and accept Jesus uh, to be saved, and and she did, she did it out of love. See, that's the other thing that Jews don't understand. It's almost as if it's sort of like a victory. Christians are trying to have a victory over Jews. It's still uncomfortable, but I understood, and I remember visiting with another friend who said, but of course we want all Jews to have a relationship with Jesus because that's how we believe that that's the path of salvation. Now, the only path of salvation. And I, uh, we, we, we disagree on that. But when, when at least one, a Jewish person understands that it's coming from a position of love, um, to me... That's disarming. I can have a conversation with somebody as compared to somebody who is just trying to co convert me and take me away from the traditions that that I live now that are thousands of years old. It's a it's a terrible misunderstanding. It's exacerbated by there are individuals whose sole raison d'etre is to convert Jews. There are individuals who ram it down their throats, our throats, everywhere. And there's not everyone who I think, and maybe it's not a nice word, are, are enlightened as you are in terms of the understanding of that. But when we have these conversations, it it's, it's, creates understanding, albeit on the differences. Well, I, I do know that a lot of Christians, you know, they may go to Israel for their first trip. They're brand new to this. They don't realize 
how the Jewish people do see Christianity and see Jesus. And so for us, it's like this wonderful thing in our life and we're so excited about it and, you know, we'll, we'll share freely about it, but we don't understand the history of Christian anti-Semitism and that the Jewish people are looking at us through a certain prism or through lenses of that history. And so we see Jesus as this wonderful thing, but they see, they interpreted history that Jesus brings bigotry and hatred. Now that's a shocking thing for a Christian to realize. And it's because, not because Jesus, he certainly did not bring hatred or bigotry, but his children did. The church brought it into their theology and taught contempt of the Jewish people. And only once we understand that history do we understand how that there are two completely opposite views of who Jesus was and what Christianity is even all about. It's funny you say that, Susan, because it's not exclusive to non-religious or secular Jews, but it's ironic that among secular Jews who don't really know their Bible, they do know this bad history as it relates to the church and what's been done in the name of Jesus to us over thousands of years. And so we, yeah, we bring that baggage along with us and it's shocking. I, I, I truthfully love having conversations with Christians about this, not, God forbid, not to make anyone feel bad, but understanding where we're coming from and why why there's a, a, a view of with suspicion about all these things that we're discussing. But specifically, I wanted to share one, one more thing. One thing that always stuck with me years ago, I was watching a video online. It was, it was probably around Yom HaShoah, the day we, we commemorate the murder of six million Jews and the Holocaust. And I was watching a video of an elderly Jewish woman who returned to her town in Poland to visit, to have some sort of closure. I don't remember the details. The thing that struck me is as she was walking near the church in her town, she crossed the street. Um, um, Naturally, she didn't even think about it. And then she narrated, I wish I could find this video again. She narrated how as a child, she understood that the church was a dangerous place for Jews. And they were always taught to cross the street and stay as far away from the church as possible. And of course she meant the physical church but what was emanating from the church. And this is in our generation. We're not talking about 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago. Correct. Um, this is within um, this century, and that's, it's just shocking to realize that, and it's something that we do need to overcome uh, in this relationship. Well, Jonathan, we're running out of time, <laughs> but uh, do you have one last Uh, area, one last misunderstanding you'd like to discuss before we close it out? Um, Well, actually, I think maybe if we we go back to the Bible, um, it's a question of how we read it. Now, it's very normal, I think, for Christians to think, uh, and I I have conversations very organically like this with people who, who want to understand who I am and what I believe, but can't begin to unless we have these conversations. And so and, and so I think that there's a, a predominance of Christians who think that all Jews know and relate to the Bible as Christians do. 
and um, and we don't. You know, when you speak of spoke of Revelations a few minutes ago, I know of the Book of Revelations. I've read excerpts from it, but I'm not by any stretch an authority. I can go into a church, and I do frequently, and I hear a pastor preaching from the New Testament, and I understand where the Old Testament reference, the Jewish reference, is in that that is from one of the apostles or from Jesus himself. Um, but, but I think a lot of Christians don't understand that we look at it completely differently. Um, may, maybe you can say something enlightening that helps both Jews and Christians. Uh, well, there's a, a, one difference is we go straight to the Bible. And um, uh -huh. for the Jewish people, there's a lot of you first go through rabbinic interpretations Excellent. of the scriptures and and you study what all these rabbis throughout the ages commented on that verse or how they interpreted it and how they saw it and that that is one difference um, and I do think that um, you know I, I would love to study under a rabbi to teach like the book of Zechariah, just to go back to our earlier conversation about the end time events, to hear how they do interpret it because it is different. And, um, and I'm afraid I'm not even able to articulate, but from the Christian perspective, uh, especially from the evangelical Christian perspective, we go straight to the Bible and we believe it to say what it was written to say. So some people would say it's a literal interpretation. It's actually not. It's a what we call a contextualized interpretation. So if it's poetry, we interpret it as poetry. If it's a song, we interpret it as a song. We don't interpret everything literally. But we interpret it literally as it was written, what it was meaning uh, to right. say. And so we study it uh, directly. And I, to me, that's one difference. And by the way, that's an amazing, you know, I, when we were talking about it and I raised the issue, I didn't even think of rabbinic commentary as being something that's different because that's just innately who I am and a part of what, what I am and how we look at scripture through rabbinic interpretation. And yeah, you're right. It's, it's, uh, it's not just old and new and people get offended by old, new and different names. I, I don't get bothered by that. But you're right, we have thousands of years of rabbinic interpretation that we consider the oral law and that's got equal status with the, with the original written law that God gave Moses. So it's a, it's a fascinating understanding and, and you're right, yes. Christians don't, don't begin to understand it. The only time I actually heard a Christian speak in a church about the Talmud was in a pejorative way about the, the things that the rabbis in the Talmud would say about mm -hmm. Jesus. And I don't have a source on that, but it was interesting to me and disappointing that that was the that was the reference as compared to our yes. peeling back but the you, layers of the onion to understand and have a deeper relationship. But you raise a very good point about even the difference between the written law and the oral law. So we're we're just dealing with the written, yep. and uh, yet. Judaism has this whole oral tradition um, of the oral law and the rabbinic commentary on it and the Talmud and et cetera, et cetera. So, well, listen, Jonathan, this is fascinating. We Delightful. could go on for a long time <laughs> discussing uh, all of this. It's, it's great, but we so appreciate you giving of your time today because um, you and I are really, we're on the same page here. We've had yeah, we a are. lot of the same 
experiences over the years. And so to discuss them, but each from our own perspective, uh, I, I trust that our audience has really enjoyed it. So I know I have, and I thank you, Jonathan, very much for joining it's, us today. It, it's a pleasure, and I hope because we've been discussing misunderstandings that I hope this contributes a little bit more to understanding. How profound, what a perfect ending uh, to today's conversation. So uh, next week, I am going to close out this series on Jews and Christians learning to relate. And I'm going to talk about who are evangelical Christians? How many are there? Why do they support Israel? And uh, elaborate a little bit more on some of what we uh, discussed today about that. So I hope everyone will come back next week. And until then, God bless. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.